Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph. Thanks for tuning in. This is the 177th edition of the program. On the broadcast today, I am going to be featuring a conversation with Jared Ball. Jared is an author, a professor of communication studies at Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland. This year, he came out with a new book, uh, which is entitled The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. He's written a number of other titles, including one I really enjoyed quite a few years ago called I Mix What I Like, a mixtape manifesto. This is a conversation uh, where we look at uh, reality today of mainstream institutions co-opting the language of social movements. Jared speaks about the ways that figures today are portrayed. For example, Martin Luther King uh, shaped in historical narratives as they're presented as a liberal reformer, where in fact he had many radical critiques of American society. Um, we speak about uh, the ways that, for example, Fred Hampton, a member of the Black Panther Party, was represented in a mainstream film in a way really disconnecting the community organizing nuts and bolts that were so central to a movement like the Black Panthers and activists like Fred Hampton. Um, this is important in the contemporary context where we see a lot of rhetorical shifts going on, but not a lot of focus on the nuts and bolts, grassroots organizing and histories of struggle that extend back many generations that are very important to consider when we are looking at these contemporary struggles today. Essentially, we are looking at a lot of ways that uh, power has uh, adapted certain language, but in fact has really not moved at all in terms of changing the economic, uh, political infrastructure that uh, is rooted in the history of enslavement and colonization. Uh, I think this interview is important to consider in this moment, and so it was really good to speak with Jared. Uh, here is our conversation. The sort of layers involved, right? When we think about context and history, there's an interesting shift since Trump was elected president, which was a lot of mainstream media institutions sort of wearing this outfit of defenders of democracy um, and sort of adopting a lot of language that comes from social movements, in fact, but uh, really not taking up any sort of meaningful engagement with the structural analysis that social movements uh, are built on challenging, whether it's systemic racism, whether it's you know, the economic injustice that you pointed to that's inherent in colonial capitalism. So there's a frustration there that I think a lot of a lot of people feel when they see, you know, um, liberal critiques of uh, right wing white nationalist politics. But those critiques only go so far. Um, that's an obvious point. But I think maybe one less obvious point or sort of drawing out, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is one response I don't see when people express that frustration is, what about organizing, right? You know, and, 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 and what about community organizing, right? As, as a way out, as a process, right? 
lifting up that process. It's 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 almost like we're being forced into this 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 realm where like, okay, well, if we all just raise our voices louder, that somehow structural structural change is going to happen. But missing in that is sort of the the nuts and bolts of organizing, which I know that you've thought about in relation to culture, but also in relation to many, many things. So, yeah. The method of the state to use its own symbolic response to internal struggles, not only to pacify those, but to project itself internationally is doing something meaningful on these issues that other countries can emulate. Any issue and idea almost can be mentioned, referenced, even discussed on a surface level, but it's it's often redefined and rebranded within the safe confines of neoliberalism and, and neocolonial sort of uh, acceptability. So absolutely, there's going to be any number of I mean, even even the, 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 the video I made a sort of joking reference to. Uh, from Prager University is having to respond symbolically to the desire among Black people and others to see themselves reflected in in society and to see their struggles reflected in society. So they make a cartoon about Frederick Douglass. Now, of course, they obliterate Douglass's history and the legacy that he represents, but but that is the that's that's the 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 need of 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 that woke Imperium project. So that's why we get CIA commercials featuring Latinas and we get the, you know, the first all LGBTQ attack helicopter crew and it's, you know, promotional campaign. And we get all of these things. Uh, uh, we get more films and media content claiming to represent black people and black struggle and black, even radical histories, uh, but all with major flaws almost all of which to the point that you're raising are are targeting the very idea of what it means to be involved in, in activist struggle, what it means to be in political struggle, to what it means to be in organization, uh, and, and more easily sets the condition where many of us are critical of this, this reduction of, of political struggle to hashtag creation, to self-promotion, to social media campaigns, to... Uh, petitions to uh, or or even just event styled performance as opposed to the very difficult off camera off record struggles that that are required to build political movements and sustain them uh, so it makes it easy so that's why we get a lot of the confusion that I think we're getting where people can see if nominally about Fred Hampton but it doesn't inspire anything other than Really, I don't know. Um, nothing, nothing that certainly Hampton himself would have advocated, but it doesn't it doesn't encourage the the again, that hard work. And that's really what we need to be doing uh, if, if, if we want any real change to occur. Otherwise, the symbolism will keep. Succeeding. On this point, I think there's a sort of critical juncture there where. I've seen two responses to the sort of quagmire of liberal expression that you're talking about. One is um, following up on what we've been discussing, which is lifting up organizing, lifting up community work, you know, talking about, um, you know, local tenants' rights organizations that are, you know, organizing against evictions or 
organizing grocery store clerks to get a better wage. The examples could be endless, and that's actually quite amazing. But one, I think, challenge is another response to what you're saying, which is that it opens up a door to be cynical um, toward a lot of the structural critiques that are sort of embedded in these simplistic, um, let's say, the ways that neoliberalism reduces uh, a lot of the victories of identity politics from a context of social movements, right? So because in, in some ways, at least it seems, there, there has been some victories. And I think we, we sort of, there's a lot of rhetoric that forgets that, right? Like the fact that corporations have had to say these things or, you know, structures of power have had to address, you know, systemic racism or uh, awareness around LGBTQ uh, rights. Not to say they've addressed these things in any meaningful way, but they are paying lip service to it. In a lot of ways, and I'll just land with this as a question, any reflections on the ways that actually that points to victory of many generations of organizing? Because imagine that happening 20 years ago. Even if it's cynically happening now, it's still a victory. Um, if, If you see what I'm saying... I, I I find like this is a really hard um, and but important conversation to have, you know, and and I th- I feel like a lot of people all around are trying to find the language to address what's happening because it's sort of confusing if you've been involved in these issues your whole adult life and then you have these companies talking about this stuff. <laughs> Part of what I'm hearing or seeing is a problem with that is that. A lot of it is how we miss we've been in, encouraged to misunderstand the, the history of, of these struggles. So, yes, you could say there are things that have occurred now that couldn't have ever been thought to occur in the past. But at the same time, we could also say that if we better understand the past, we could understand that some of these things were never the goals. So. The goal of those who fought, for instance, for black people to have the right to vote was not so that we could pick for the lesser of evils every cycle. The The goal of the civil rights and human rights struggle was not simply the removal of Confederate flag symbol, symbology, symbolism and, and statues. In fact, Dr. King said himself, don't build a statue to me. And then he's assassinated and they build a statue to him without dealing with any of the things that he in his lifetime said to do. And then if you go see that monument, there's only two quotes that they reference post-1966, in part because they're trying to to, to reshape him and rebrand him as a, as a liberal when he was much more radical, if not revolutionary than that. So that's always a frustration with me. I don't, I don't, it's, it's, and it's, if we start with, you know, my context being the black or African struggle here in the United States, if the starting point is enslavement, then anything can be said to be an improvement. And I don't think that's fair either to us or to our ancestors who were enslaved. And I don't think it's fair for, for us to project backwards that all that they would have been satisfied with is this version of freedom. Uh, at the same time, I would understand if you're enslaved several hundred years ago and you somehow are able to see this version, of course you would see it as an improvement, but that's not fair to us to have that be the context for the or the standard that's created 
for what is an improved society. So with it's not meant to demean the experience of the past or our ancestors. It's to, it's to more honor what I think is an appropriate standard that they both had and that we should have. So I don't accept that that just because I don't suffer exactly as bad as someone else, that what is happening today should be somehow acceptable uh, or that we shouldn't fight as hard for something better than what those, you know, fought for and how hard they fought, however far back we want to point. Yeah. On this point, it seems that the part of the story that's often missing when we in the present is back to the point of organizing is how struggle um, has shaped political debate, has shaped how these issues are addressed. Um, so I'll just leave the question very brief, but um, you know, I, I know a lot of your work is like digging into that, digging into like generation intergenerational struggle and, and thinking critically about how that actually shapes a lot of um how you know social movements and particularly black movements address these struggles today in general i think i've i've thought a lot about what was admitted in the pages of the guardian last year when they acknowledged for the first time publicly that the british state or the 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 had had it had consciously conspired with the united states and elsewhere to limit the ability of Kwame Ture or Stokely Carmichael to spread his message of pan-Africanism, particularly because it was defined as socialist and uh, anti-imperialist and uh, one based on the United States of Africa. So they wanted black power, much like Nixon did back here, to be redefined as black capitalism mainstream engagement with electoral politics, starting a business and all that kind of pull your bootstraps up type of discussion. And my point in that is that 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 this is part of what has been for them a conscious struggle to limit what struggle means and what freedom and political activism means. So if Barack Obama can be uh, uh, the most heavily Wall Street-sponsored presidential candidate in U.S. history, and then also defined as a community organizer, I, that's a victory for those in power. Because then, what does it mean to be a community organizer if 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 you can be a neoliberal, warmongering, capitalist, drone striking, militant, you know, whatever? Then, then what does it mean when someone says I'm a community organizer and activist? So the 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 corruption of the language is 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 part of it. The corruption of the message, the image, the the redefinition of of freedom as some sort of commercial or capitalist success, quote unquote. All of that is 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 by design an effort to limit again how black people respond and others. To an oppression that those in power do not mean to 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 at all suspend. So from their perspective, they're thinking we're going to continue to exploit, we're going to continue to to manipulate and abuse and and all of this. So if with that as a given, what do we want as a response? Well, we don't want the militant militantism of a Kwame Ture or a Malcolm X or a Sada Shakur. So we we need to rebrand that as. Uh, something I've been critical of myself as the Asada taught me uh, uh, t-shirt wearing hashtag 
crowd that doesn't really engage Asada Shakur's actual politics or the movement that produced her or the movement that freed her from prison. Um, so it becomes, this, again, the perfect woke imperium. You can make reference literally to Asada Shakur without ever engaging any of her radical politics. Uh, um, it, and it becomes quite limiting, I think, overall. For people who are listening in Canada who might not know about what you just mentioned, the movement that freed Asada Shakur from prison, can you briefly just highlight that? Sure, right. This is also Black August being commemorated here, uh, which is a movement that came out of the George Jackson-led prison movement of the 1970s and is meant to commemorate the struggles of political prisoners and Black radical activists that is often suppressed from the sort of standard Black History Month, uh, you know, again, symbolic and empty reference. So Asada Shakur was a member of the Black Panther Party, later the Black Liberation Army, and she and her comrades were, uh, she be, had become a, a, a prime target of the state and a symbol of Black radicalism. And she and her comrade, uh, and, uh, Zaid Shakur, were shot on the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, in this is 1970, ooh, I should know this, three, I want to say. And then she, uh, Zaid, unfortunately, was killed. She was wounded, taken to prison escaped which is another beautiful story that not all of us know the details of uh and through help of the black liberation movement and 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 if i have if i understand it all correctly some some white allies were involved with that and she was escaped and and fleed to where she is now uh a target of the state to this day in cuba uh, where even Obama raised the bounty. And uh, so uh, she remains, again, very much alive, but also a symbol of of that more radical tradition of struggle that is often suppressed in, in, in this country and around the world. So appreciate that. You mentioned Black August, and I'd love to hear your take, because I know you're following things, you know, on a daily, like through your conversation program, um, so maybe you could just mention that also your 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 um, the discussions that you that you share uh, online regularly, um, and also any like community organizing or like movements today that um, you would like to like lift up or like highlight that maybe aren't getting a lot of spotlight um, from you know mainstream frameworks. So I'll just start by mentioning the work that my comrades mostly involved with at Black Power Media. You know, uh, uh, Kalanji Jamachanga is involved with the the FTP movement, uh, does a lot of work around Black August. Uh, Kamal Franklin with Community Movement Builders, uh, are just in terms of affiliated organizations that sort of uh, um, form sort of a constellation of sorts around our, our platform is is. In addition to those two is Pan-African Community Action, Black Alliance for Peace, uh, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. And collectively, we engage uh, all of these ideas on a regular basis and, and uh, are commemorating in a variety of ways Black August, which technically involves fasting. It involves an, you know, a, a specific reference to, to political prisoners, uh, um, some of whom are still there, like Mumia Abu-Jamal and Leonard Peltier and Veranza Bowers. And, and it's an attempt to keep that history alive and, and, and to remind people that, you know, Black history is not just what 
happens in schools on February, but has a broader history than one much more radical and militant involves uh, all kinds of uh, uh, suppressed concepts and ideas and uh, needs to be remembered and commemorated and organized around. So, uh, yeah, so I encourage people to check out our platform and and that, again, that constellation of folks that work in and around the work that, that we all do and try to support and, you know, connected to the work that they're doing. Respect. Can you just mention the, the, the platform for people who are listening? So the platform is Black Power Media on YouTube, and uh, there's uh, about 20 different shows that that comprise that that effort. So you get a variety of of approaches to these various topics that we've been covering here today. And, uh, uh, you know, check us out and, and let us know what you think. One last point. Um, I, I'm thinking about um, Cop City and Atlanta and also the fact that Trump and his crew, not in it, crew in all the bad ways, not the good ways, um, have just been charged in Georgia. And I just found it very ironic that you have the state apparatus in Georgia being lauded for this process of um, the trial or the, the charges that have been brought against Trump for trying to um, basically steal uh, the electoral decision in Georgia. Well, at the same time, you have terrorism charges being brought against a network of activists, many super young Gen Zers uh, from many different backgrounds, indigenous, black, Jewish, I mean, anarchists, this whole crew that is holding down this protest camp in the forest outside of Atlanta to stop this massive cop training facility it's the same state apparatus in Georgia that is repressing like in very serious ways. Um, so yeah, just, um, and also if you want to draw out a bit, anything about that cop city struggle that you would like people to, to know about or anything that's interested you about that. Um, because I, I know that not a lot of people in Canada are following that, but the contradiction there also. So cop city is an installation being put in the middle of Atlanta. That's meant to be a training facility for the police to learn how to, to better do as Malcolm X used to say locally what the military does internationally, which is protect capital, suppress rebellion, manage, be the, the, as Daruba bin Wahad says, be the, the, the armed wing of the ruling elite. So while you have all of these, this inequality and, and, uh, uh, abuse of environmental and, and, and other spaces. Uh, the police are in, in Atlanta and, and the, the, the ruling elite there are happy to take the millions and the billions to, to create this training center and, and have a playground, a militarized playground for, for their police. Um, quite to the contrary of any notion of defunding or abolishing the police, they're being in, in, emboldened to, to become stronger. So and my point about there not being a contradiction is that that Trump's indictment, from my point of view, is largely the result of his being seen not. And I don't want to be confused seeing this as a positive from my viewpoint, but but from the standpoint of those the, those in power, his 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 attempted intervention has been seen as a negative. He's been seen as an, an, an as a speed bump in the normal flow of of rule and the normal business of rule so on the one hand i don't I, I, again i don't see a contradiction between them wanting to 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 punish him for for 
some various transgression while not wanting at all to suspend or even slow down the primary mission of uh, capital exploitation, white supremacist domination, and in, in the specifics here in terms of Cop City of building the armed wing of the ruling elite. So it, it, it makes perfect sense, you know, because, you know, none of us should be confused into thinking that any attempt to indict Trump is in defense of some progressive or revolutionary uh, movement. It is meant to just get rid of uh, this, you know, pretty much speed bump in, in, in their way. Uh, and maybe even to further create a more of a distraction for us to 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 be to to be uh, uh, um, enthralled by, uh, as opposed to not focusing on, or as opposed rather to focusing on what's really going on and what what we would really need to do to get rid of it. Uh, uh, and some people will be convinced into seeing the indictment, and God forbid he even gets sentenced and convicted, as some sort of victory. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, there has been no material improvement for the people or the world under Biden, nor was there one under Obama, nor was there one under any other so-called liberal opposition to these uh, ex almost exclusively fascist, you know, Republicans. So, yeah. So, uh, again, that's why I don't see it as a contradiction, per se, uh, even as Georgia would be the state that indicts him as they build a cop city. It, it, it makes perfect sense. That was a conversation with Jared A. Ball, uh, who is a professor uh, who's based in Baltimore. He's at Morgan State University, and he's an author and radio host. He's involved with the initiative, as you heard, blackpowermedia.org. You can look them up. This year, Jared came out with an important book, which is called The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. You can look that up. It was really a pleasure to speak with Jared today on the program. Thanks uh, for tuning in. Free City Radio is produced and hosted by me, Stefan Christoph, and we air on CKUT 90.3 FM at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays on CGLO 1690 a.m., also in Geogiage, Montreal, on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesdays on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, British Columbia on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and Saturdays at 7 a.m. as well as now on Met Radio 12.90 a.m. in Toronto at 5.30 a.m. on Fridays. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Look us up as a podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just look up Free City Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend about the show. That helps to spread the word. And um, I'll speak to you next week. Take care.